Well, we've got the uh, the mm. Riverdale quiz is ready to rock and roll. I don't think that works quite as well <laughs> without me, because then it's Alan and, and Hope that wrote the quiz and Rich. I mean, I like those odds. Yeah. Winning by default is still winning. Mm. That's right. You could put together a win streak if we go ahead and do it next week without Pat. It, it, it is a kind of victory. It is the only victory I know. Mm. And welcome to another episode of Even More Mashed Up, the podcast featuring two professors talking about all things pop culture. I am Patrick. Hey, and I am Alan. And you know what they say, that before the dawn comes the dark night. Ugh. Yeah. I, I told you I didn't have anything to work with. It's no Miranda yeah. yeah. rights. To, you to, know, to, to repeat, it was the that... best of the options we had. Yeah, the only idea I had was instead of saying I am I am Patrick, it would be like I am Vengeance, but in the the Batman voice. But you know, you know, Hope says she has a great um, Batman voice, the um, Pattinson Batman. So I was gonna say it wasn't the uh, Christian Bale bat voice. That one sounds painful to do. No, I think it would be bad for any performer's vocal cords to yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, I think Pattinson said something about like his throat hurting after trying to do the gravelly voice. Yeah. So, which of you haven't figured out, we're talking uh, about the Batman. We are talking about the Batman. Yes. Not any Batman, but the nope. Batman. Yeah. I, I assume that you have some, uh, you have some bite-sized fun facts? I do not. <gasps> no fun facts? All right, good night, no folks. That's it. Because that is what I have given up for Lent. What? Have numbers? Yes, I've given up numbers. <laughs> the concept of numbers, so you can't even process most information? Mm, I'm just, just in terms of, of my predilection for, you know, spewing irrelevant numbers on the show. That is what I have given up for Lent. Ah, to say that they're irrelevant is such a wonderful thing to hear. No, well, and to hear spewing. Like, to yes. hear the acknowledgement that what you do is spew. Yep. Also, I think, very nice. Considering it has less to do with Lent, more to do with laziness. Yeah. I, well, no, it has more to do with that there were literally no numbers I could get on the really? show that were decent. So, yeah, really? yeah, I couldn't get anything. It's it seems like any superhero, especially the Batman ones, would have a bunch of tracking on them. I would think. Yeah, but all of that's behind paywalls. So, oh, oh, oh. wait! So I thought you found the one that would give it to you yeah. for free. Yeah, no, I couldn't. It didn't have it. I think maybe I think they must be listening to the show and heard that they were given away for free, and now and now they've put it behind the paywall. Yeah, man. Unbelievable. Or That's or they just happened. didn't have it. Yeah, there, was, there was there was nothing nothing. So, I, so I've got I've got no numbers. All I've got are pure unadulterated thoughts about the Batman. <sighs> oh, that's good because most of my thoughts are in fact adulterated. So uh, I, I would expect so. So. When I went to see the movie, yeah. and you may be aware of this, Patrick, the main question I had in the back of my head was, do we really need another Batman movie? Well, I mean, is this the Batman movie we need or the Batman movie we deserve? Neither. Oh, do we have to keep doing that? Like, <laughs> like we're never, ever going to escape the need and the deserve stuff. Yeah. But so uh, you, my question you to you, Patrick, is... Do we need another The Batman movie? Mm. 
I mean, this is a question you could have asked for how many movies passed as well. Like, this yeah, is not the first I mean, time this question has come up. Need is, is is a question. I mean, you could you could say that about pretty much so many of of the superhero things. Do we need another MCU movie? Do we need another? Uh, you know, but DC. At least different. We need another. You know that that, that. exactly. But it feels like you're dodging just, the feel, question. It feels like you're just trying to set up another. You know, we're we're reaching post peak superhero. Oh, um, I think we're reaching peak <laughs> Batman. Like, look at the title of the movie. It is not. You know, a, how many Batman the Batman names exist? You know, for film titles. Well, this is so the this only is one. The end. Once yeah, you no, because no, now you can have the Batman Returns, the mm. Batman Rises. How about these? You could do these Batman. Yeah, mm, there you go. Yeah, they haven't done Batman. That's one they could the do. Batwomen. So, right. Yeah. So done. I mean, in terms of, do we need another Batman? Probably not. Um, but you know, I, I I enjoyed the film. Of course you did. I thought I thought you know there were some some things that it did that sort of harkened back to a kind of Batman that I don't know that we've really seen as much on the, the silver screen. Um, okay. But it also seemed like a lot of the movie was kind of moving Batman and his characterization from point A to point B. And so in some ways, I'm kind of interested more in seeing what happens next. Which is that okay for a film to kind of almost sort of wait, wait, spend its time setting up the well, next movie? Well, I mean, if you're trying to start a franchise, then definitely yes, it is good to set is up. Is DC you know. doing that? Because they keep changing who Batman is. They keep changing well, it again and again. I yeah, I, I'm kind of. I hate to say this, I, I'm a little bit with Rich on this one. Like, I I'm not even sure what they were really setting up. For the second one, you know, beyond, I guess, the Joker. You know, yeah, the Joker, the you know, Penguin, you know, maybe yeah, the Widow yeah. again as like a sidekick or something. Yeah. Again, nothing we haven't well, seen I, already. I think it's more in terms of that, you know, in terms of Batman's characterization, he went from being sort of the dark knight of vengeance kind of figure that that he was at the beginning of the film and at the end kind of realizing that i think he says at some point that he needs to be something more and and sort of being more batman the hero detective and so kind of that you know that <sighs> batman the detective hero i think is something I'd, I'd be interested to see you know largely because it, it for me it harkens oh. back to like the batman of the 1970s and kind of the early to mid 1980s which I mean, is sort of my Batman, but it's also an era of Batman that kind of gets skipped over in terms of uh, representation in film, because because everyone kind of focuses on a version of the Batman that's very much post Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, I, there's so much in there that I'm not sure I completely agree with that I've lost track of it because I should have been taking notes as you were going. I'm not convinced. Like I, mean, I know he claims end. he's yeah i know he says he's changed at the end and then he's like well yeah but i'm gonna have to like really get bloody and violent moving forward to deal with like all the, the worst that's coming like i just I, you're 
kind of oh and then secondly the second thing i wanted to comment on patrick was the idea that he was finally going to be a detective which would be great since the riddler is obviously a way better detective yes well that was another thing that i like this this is a batman who's not like the best at everything this is a batman that actually gets out thought by and i'll admit i did kind of of like I kind of was that uh, was a neat idea that this was a Batman who, to a point, like didn't have like he didn't have like cameras all over the city. You know, he didn't have a network. He wasn't as smart, but he also doesn't seem that smart at the end either. Like again, I think what Alan's no, gonna say the, is that I, like he says he's gonna change, but is he like I, he has I, he? And 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 will he? Yeah. Like, are we really going to see the Batman of hope? Or are we really going to see, you know, a better detective? I, I'm, I'm Despite kind of how skeptical. how many kids so, he stares at, you know, is he really the hopeful right. Batman? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, no. Like, that was, it was, it was like him staring at the, orf, at the, at the kid. Yeah. Was like Frodo staring into the sky in the director's cut for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like, at some point, you're like, you know, we could have saved 15 minutes on this film, yeah. which, by the way, ran entirely too long. Yeah, it, it again, just like we talked like, about the past ones, another, what, two hours? Yeah. Just because um, you can make a three-hour film doesn't mean three? you should make a three-hour uh, film. It yeah. was three hours. Oh, yeah, it didn't yeah. feel like three hours it's, to me, I have to say. I thought I thought it, it I did felt, not have issues with the, the, uh, the length and pacing. I did. Well, I, you know, oh, I've got I, some, uh, I've got some comments about that. Go ahead, Rich. Well, I was saying it felt very long. I don't know if I was ever really bored, though. Looking yeah. back, there was definitely stuff that you could cut, and I don't know how much would change. No, I think that's I I but, I tend yeah. to agree with that. I didn't feel bored, yeah, but I didn't feel like the the film justified its length. Is is how I would describe it. And let me say. It, it to me, I went in thinking I don't really need another Batman movie. Mm-hmm. But Same, I thought yeah. the first five or ten minutes of this film were really strikingly good. Oh, really? I thought that would be the part you would hate. No, it, it, like to me, what really distinguishes this as better than other Batman or Batman films is really kind of the visual aesthetic of the film. The way in which it kind of opens and it drops you into kind of this an urban environment that you kind of feel, I think, as you're sitting in the theater, kind of a gritty 70 New York City kind of setting. There was this like I I for a moment I thought, well, this is different. It felt aesthetically different. I'm not sure it sustained that. I mean, I you know, it it's bloated to three hour runtime. Yeah, like when you go to the what club, that, and I said when you go to the club and stuff, it seemed to get back into that like when they'd go to certain locations and it, was, and it rained all the time <laughs> there would be times oh, I, where it felt like is Gotham Seattle <laughs> is, is one thing I was kind of wondering no it's New, it's it's New York no no but okay it, because it, it yeah. felt like Seattle because it was constantly raining and well like, that was really the film's comment on climate change yeah like, of course yeah you know, one yeah, of the, one of the very many woke dimensions of the show that that people have not liked. Oh, I've got some woke um, fair yeah. or foul, <laughs> but so I've got like a, a rather long idea about the film. 
So let me just try to toss it at you, Patrick, and you can tear it apart as you okay. see fit. Okay, hang on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take notes because yeah. you said yeah. this was long. Yeah. So my high hopes at the start were sustained by two things. I love the way the film looked and felt. I thought it was a really powerfully made film at the beginning in that way. I also appreciated the way in which at the beginning... Powerfully made. Got it. Okay. At the beginning... Batman is kind of narrating about the power of fear and vengeance, right? Mm -hmm. And then it kind of ends with him saving the subway rider from a gang of jokers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Well, but after he, after he has done this, right? The terrified victim looks up at Batman after he's been saved and he pleads with the Batman, please don't hurt me. So to the subway rider, the gang and Batman are kind of indistinguishable. Correct. And I really like the idea of a Gotham City, which the hero terrifies the civilians just as much as he does the bad guys. And justifiably so. Like, it isn't like Spider-Man yeah, or something be- where, like, somebody makes a news article and right. everybody hates him. Like, no, there's no reason you shouldn't be terrified of Batman. Exactly. And because, like, Batman is kind of a bad guy, too. And this is where Patrick is probably going to get off the train with me. But I, but but he is. He uses extra legal violence to police the city and kind of impose his order upon it. And so if I were a citizen and there were a Batman running around, I think he would terrify me. Because how could you trust him? Like, yes. You, right. And like, so from Batman's point of view, it's like, oh, he's in criminals. But from your point of view as a citizen, he's just attacking people who may or may not be criminals. There's no right. was no trial. Yeah. And here, Patrick, I want to stretch and you can tell me that I'm crazy. But as Batman narrates the film throughout, Mm -hmm. he sounds a lot like, well, who does he sound like as he narrates the film to you? Did he did he like remind you of any other comic book film or character? Oh, you're going to say Rorschach, aren't you? Yeah, for sure. Right. Because not only is he keeping kind of this semi psychotic journal of his daily exploits, but it has kind of a dark Rorschach kind of feel to it, don't you think? Not really, but part of that is I read a uh, review that um, made a lot of the comparison to Rorschach, and so before seeing the film. And so when yeah. I went in and, and saw the film and listened to the you know the first monologue, um, I I... Though I can see where it's coming from, I, I think it's a bit of a stretch to say that, you know, that this Batman is basically a version of Rorschach, which I mean, is what the reviewer was saying. I, I kind of agree with Alan, though, at okay. this point. That's, it feels like Batman hates the city, to, or, or... See, I didn't, I didn't get that. Right. It wasn't, hate, it wasn't the, it. you know, Rorschach, you know, they're going to call for me to help, and I'm going to say no. Like, what he said was not anything remotely like that. No, it's like the Rorschach kind of, you know, the city is a bloated dead dog, you know, whose extended stomach has ruptured on the streets. No, like, I didn't even that see that. Was that the, way, the way in which he presented it. So to me, it was a really kind of, and I didn't read that beforehand. Like I just went in the yeah. theater not knowing that Batman was going to like do one of these goofy voiceovers for the entire film, which is, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of that kind of filmmaking, but fair yeah. enough. Um, but to me that reference or kind of gesturing in that way kind of, again, is this reminder that the kind of people who become superheroes probably aren't as praiseworthy as we pretend them 
you know, to likely be. Well, yeah, you've got to be a little bit messed up in the head to think that dressing up as a giant bat and fighting crime is a, a good right. idea. Yeah, agreed. And there's a second scene. Now, if you thought that was a, a stretch, Patrick, you're going to you're going to lose your mind, because obviously I think you have a more positive view of the film than I did. But there's that really terrible car chase with Penguin. Uh huh. Yeah. It where he kind of, you know, Penguin flips the car over and over and over again, and he ends up upside down on the highway. Right. Yep. yep. And Bat Batman gets out of his car and is walking towards him, and you can see the terror in Penguin's face. Mm -hmm. To me, this like whenever you see this in the movie, the good guy and the bad guy are always reversed. It's the good guy who's trapped in the car, kind of watching like from this upside down point of view, mm -hmm. as the bad guy comes at him, and you see the terror. Like you see it in Marvel mm -hmm. movies, done the other way all the time. So. Again and again, I saw the film early on and then repeatedly kind of like trying to get us questioning just how good superheroes actually are. With me so far, you think that's a, do you think it's fair to say that Matt Reeves mm -hmm. is partly trying to ask questions in this film about superheroes? Mm. I don't think he is because I think all of that is the point A that Batman starts at in the film. Ah. All of which is meant to serve the point of when he eventually moves to towards a point B in terms of the idea and, of that that's now? not what he's going to be. Which which we can argue about whether or not, you know that's possible or or if, if Batman can be redeemed in that way. But I think that that is what I think the yeah, film is going for, is that that kind of dark knight, um, vengeful, you know, the kind of figure that at the beginning of the film scares kind of the the, the general Gotham citizen. Um, whereas at the end is one that seeks to rescue and I don't know if inspires quite the right word, but, no, but not just inspired, this, yeah. this figure that I think it is. Because it has with the flair, like being the yeah, beacon of yeah, light. That's what I think Reeves I think Reeves, take, so I don't think it's an interrogation of superheroes so much as I just see it as maybe an interrogation of the Batman that we've had for so long and Reeves wanting to do something different. But where you're going demonstrates that he's not doing anything different, I think, because I agree with your A to B Harrison, you know, that the Riddler believes that he's working with Batman actually kind of makes sense. The yeah. idea that they rely on fear and focused violence makes sense. So I think it's an interesting way to think about kind of the complexity of Batman, but it's the B part of your argument, Patrick, that you know is the part that really, that just really unsettled me watching this film. So just real quickly, let me walk through it and then you can explain why I shouldn't be thinking about superheroes this way. The film ends with like the mayor's speech at the end about needing to reclaim faith in the system and in politicians and in each other. And that's, that's like all nicely said and probably true about where we are. But I don't buy Batman's narration at the end when he says we don't need vengeance, but we need hope. And then he's like leading people through flooded, you know, streets with a red flare. 
or he's evacuating an injured kid at the end. You know, like there's this sense that he's something different, but the penguin is rising, the Joker is in jail, they're talking about the bloody violence that's coming. And I think the film wants to give us a happy ending. It this this allegedly happy ending that undermines what the film might have done in really thinking about and interrogating superheroes. Like, is Batman really gonna learn his lesson? I don't think so. He's not gonna learn his lesson any more than Americans have learned the lesson about vigilante justice outside of the law, both at home and abroad. Like, Americans inherently see violence as a solution. Wait, and wait, wait, so wait, this that, idea that Batman... What? That's yeah, it's not. That's not, but, that's not the solution. No, violence oh. is not the solution. This is oh, okay. this is the position to I know, which I will state myself. Yeah. Okay. okay. Right. It is. You know. Growing up in America, it's hard to hear that. But this idea, like, so the, the the A to B arc, which I don't buy, again does for Batman what really disturbs me about superheroes and got me really thinking about superheroes. Kind of again trying to create a happy ending, trying to create a cover that makes kind of the violence okay, which got me like I had a real an existential crisis as I left the theater. What if, and just bear with me, Patrick, because I know you may never do a podcast with me after I say this out loud. I don't think you can say what if about a DC show. I'm pretty sure Marvel has that trademarked. Hmm. Okay, see, what if superheroes? in the our contemporary age uh-huh. are a pathology. What if superheroes are a sign of a cultural sickness, of a sign of a society in trouble? What if they represent, in fact, what's wrong with us instead of what makes us right and good and righteous in the world? Yep. That's all I'm going to get from you. Is that a yep uh, of like resignation that like you're not going to well, do a yeah, show with no, me? Yeah, I was yeah, like, yep, this is the last show. And again, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know that that's an entire. I mean, again, there, I mean, kind of the idea that superheroes have always been um, sort of a a male power fantasy. Um, I mean, even even kind of going back to Watchmen, which we referenced earlier, there's always been sort of this since Watchmen, in some ways, this indictment of the superhero as pathological and sort of our our worshiping sure. of superhero as a kind of pathology. So I don't I don't necessarily disagree with that. Yeah. And so I just I left you know, and maybe you're right. Maybe that Matt Reeves isn't trying to ask any hard questions. He's just trying to tell the classic superhero story. I thought given the aesthetic at the beginning of the film and the way that it entered that he that he did want to kind of raise those questions. And I thought that in the end, you know, like you're you're trapped by the source material. Yeah, I mean, I, I just is, I don't know. There I, is I no just, way out of that. Yeah, there wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I just saw it more as. In my head, I just saw it more as Reeves, I think, trying to distinguish his Batman from the other Batman's Batman. Batman. <laughs> There's so many <laughs> other Batman that we's that we've had on the screen because they've all been in kind of that very sort of of uh, or maybe just to distinguish it from the Nolan. Maybe that's it's really the Nolan that he's kind of I think distinguishing, which is very much in kind of that yeah. dark light 
um, you know, Batman can do no wrong. We can trust him because he's Batman sort of thing. Um, I, I, I guess they also say that we should trust him because he's Batman. I mean, Jim Gordon no. does. Well, but I mean, that's, yeah, yeah I mean, Jim that's Gordon Jim Gordon. does, and uh, every other character in the movie says, no, don't trust this crazy man who's shown up in a bat, a little bat suit that we don't know who he is. No, they're, but they're, the problem is right there, Rich, the problem is they're right, but the audience is wrong. I think the audience still sees Batman as right. Oh, yeah, because the movie basically tells us, hey, he's crazy, but he ends up being right about it, so he must because, be good. Because he's the... Well, yeah, he's the Batman, yeah. which I know is what I've said way too much about the Dark Knight. But the film, it just it left me cold that way. It left me. Maybe he was trying to do something new, Patrick, but I don't see it as new at all. Like whatever distinction he's making, he's missed the important distinctions to make. Well, I don't, yeah, like maybe, well, the next Batman, maybe the next Batman will wear like a rainbow colored suit and he'll he'll be like he'll smile a lot and he'll be really happy and cheerful and hopeful but i just i i don't buy that coming honestly i just don't no i don't i don't necessarily see that either um you know i think i had something i was gonna say and then i lost it um sorry about that I, i'm talking too much but it just I mean, I think, it, it it really got me thinking i mean i i don't know i don't know that reeves is doing anything new either you know, the only thing that I see him doing as as quote unquote new um, is new only in the sense that that the Batman as detective is not really a version of Batman we've seen in previous films. In previous films, there's been no there's been really no detective qualities to him. It's been all it's been all just technology. Um, well, you're an expert in detective narratives, right? Did you find uh, this to be a compelling detective story? Um, I don't know compelling. Uh, <laughs> I think part of the point I don't is, know if it's is a this, story. Is this is not Batman the master detective. This is still, as you pointed out, Batman gets hoodwinked by um, the Riddler and and the um, at least the, the, the Riddler first knows Riddle. Everything. The first riddle when um, uh, he gets the letter that says drive, um, the moment that popped up, I'm like, oh, it's a thumb drive because they cut off the guy's thumb. And then five minutes later, Batman came to the same conclusion. So I even beat Batman on that one. Um, but did he come to that conclusion or did he just not tell Jim? You know, was he like, oh, I knew this, but because he, he never talks to anybody about anything. So it's like maybe he knew this all the time yeah, no, but he opens up telling. he opens up the thumbprint scanner and that's when jim realizes it so batman does batman's ahead of jim oh. but behind but yeah behind but we riddler. don't know yeah, when, can, you know. can we just I, I, can we just acknowledge that the riddler's riddles were not particularly difficult to solve it's almost like he knew batman was a dunce yeah well i think it's more this is not a riddler who doesn't want batman to figure him out he wants batman in some ways to figure him out i think well, no, he wants Batman to solve the riddle because Batman can't yeah. put together the like the very simple oh, the, story the of corruption Rato. that exists within the city. I, I yeah. love the whole El Rato thing, the bat with uh, the rat with wings. It's like it's a bat. Yeah. And it's like, no, the movie's going to be like, no, Batman doesn't know that until the last possible second. It's going to think of everything but yeah. a bat until then. Well, but it's also yeah. it's also apparently a, a pigeon and a falcon, which a pigeon, a falcon, a penguin. 
Yeah, which yeah. you know, I'm pretty really sure in terms of the, I mean, in terms of referring to things as a rat with wings, I'm pretty sure I've heard that about pigeons. Yes, that That's is definitely a New York thing. Bats. I've never heard that about falcons or penguins. Like that no. was a a weird, a weird uh, yeah. thing. So, um, in a weird film, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 you know, it's not a compelling detective narrative because we don't actually have a compelling detective because Batman is still very I mean I think this is only taking place like a year into him being Batman so he's still very new I think uh, at one point it said it was two years but I think it's still it's the something same like, idea it's one or two yeah I can't remember exactly it's, what it was it's but, one to two yeah, yeah. so this is this he's is still a years. very new Batman yeah and like Alfred's not yeah. like the ex-spy or whatever that's gonna help him out a bunch like you know, so he doesn't have anyone around him who would be the detective to help him as well, either. Yeah, I think he needs to get into a correspondence class or something. You know, like just Detective One Hundred and One kind of stuff. I feel like no, he's, he's got. Yeah, he needs. He's he's he needs some he's experience. Got a, he's got. He's maybe, got a. Long, maybe he should join to... the GCPD. I, oh yeah, I, no, that'd be wonder. Yeah, it'd be a terrible. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, again, it, I I liked the way in which we got a. Um, a somewhat different Batman than we've had on screen before. I don't know that it's necessarily going to change anything. I don't know. I think it'll regarding how. Yeah, I thought. I thought Bruce was more different than Batman in this film. But anyway, what other observations do you have, Patrick? Because I've kind of set the the stage. Well, I've been observed that that I didn't really feel like there was very much of Bruce in the film. Yeah, Um, I, I thought kind of of. Pattinson's Bruce Wayne is is a bit of a cipher, which I guess which can work because you know in the comics for the longest time you know Bruce is the costume, Batman's who he really is. Well, and uh, I, I do kind of like that too because like you didn't have him like be the playboy kind of person. You know, he looked like somebody who like to a point didn't know what he was doing. Kind of like again, he's not a good detective, but he's like for whatever reason he's like I'm going to be this Batman person and help people. And all I really know how to do is punch people a lot, kind of, and like spy on them. So I, I kind of like that. Yeah, you know, of like not being the. You know who he kind of reminded me of. Although this is gonna, I, I just, I gotta say some nice things because Patrick's gonna be upset with me. <laughs> Why would I be upset? But he was like, he was like the Kylo Ren of Batman. Hmm. Oh, interesting. How? How? Kinda how? The, how exactly. He's like the young, handsome, brooding, angsty barista antihero. That's how mm. I would describe it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's a very kind of emo. Um, oh, in about fact, it. I'm glad you brought that. I, I'm glad you brought that up because one of my fair or foul, let me look mm. it up real quickly here, was from Josh Spiegel of SlashFilm.com. Okay. Who said that this was an emo Batman or an emo world. So mm. so your emo your emo comparison is certainly one that was uh, was was not unique to yourself. Uh, except that I don't know that Batman is emo so much as Bruce Wayne is yeah. emo. Oh, I think I think if you read the article, he would say that it's really Bruce that's more of the emo. Yeah, I mean, Although, so there's not Batman's a relationship with Catwoman is a little emo. I think you could say. Well, again, what I is- think that emo world makes sense because I think a lot of people in the 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 world of Batman, you know, could be emo. Yeah, in that sense. Did you make the argument that some of Batman's relationship with Catwoman is emo, or or casts him in an emo kind of shadow? 
See, this is where we could really use hope because she could tell us what exactly emo means. <laughs> yeah, emo is a difficult. Well, hey, we I have Rich. Like Rich would be our I know what emo is. Okay, so <laughs> do, could you give us a quick de- definition? No. It's something you just know and feel. It can't oh, be defined. Okay. That's what man. I think. Well, I think emo is really about the feeling for sure, right? I mean, I could also just Google it. It's a style of rock music resembling punk, but I have more count. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't that doesn't help at all. No, I mean that's the, I mean well, I mean it's more about emotional look. subjects. Yeah. His look as Bruce Wayne is very emo, with like the hair hanging down. Well, in front especially of his eyes. how many times he has uh, actual eyeliner, like you know, kind of dripping off of his face when he yeah. takes the mask off. Well, his vulnerability, I think, has kind of an emo quality. Yeah. To it, you know the the um, the way he's kind of soft with Catwoman has an emo kind of vibe to it. I don't know. I mean, I kind of like Anyway, when you said emo. Just because he was different, yeah. you know, in that sense. Like, he was somebody who wasn't comfortable as Bruce Wayne, it seemed like, in the world. Like, when he went to the, goes to the funeral, like, he doesn't seem like he's really happy to be there. Like, as Bruce. Well, he's only yeah. there because it's it's the next place to go in the case. He's not there because he cares about the funeral. He's oh, there. Yeah. What I'm saying is he's not even happy well, doing that as Bruce. Yeah. Like, I think he, he wants any excuse to be, to have the suit on. Yeah. Well, that, that strikes fairly, me as very. That's a fairly standard. Isn't Batman. that very yeah. much. Yeah. I was going to say kind of end of the road, Christopher Nolan, Batman too, you know, where I he's guess, just pulled just up and felt the, that more. Well, that's like really, I mean, that's, that's the Batman that's existed since Dark Knight Returns, which is that, as I said earlier, Bruce Wayne right. is the costume. Batman is yeah. the real person. It's, sure. it's, it's no, I, that's, that's, yeah. I think, you know, they said so. that in the movie though, but like, if you read the comic books, you just like, it's not like that's a revelation, I yeah. guess. Well, I guess because he doesn't have the playboy so, aspect to him, it felt more like it felt more like like you know when you see like the the, the Christopher Nolan, like he still goes out times the party and stuff, you know, and it's like yeah. nobody's really making him. You know, even right. Alfred has to beg him to go see an accountant for whatever business thing, like right. Which right. we get a scene oh, like that in, in the Nolan Batman as well. There's a scene where the Michael Caine right. Alfred tells him, you know, you have to live up to your family's legacy right. you can't yeah. just squander it and whatnot so that that was a That's beat true. we've seen before as well i guess if i guess if we have we two just, more movies just, and we see him be more of the playboy it would be we've yeah we've just seen this done so often i think that you get kind of trapped by the material but this is something i thought it did well because it's been done so often it was nice not watching the whole bruce batman origin story play out yes. on screen we didn't again. see his parents die Oh yep, man! No, yeah, oh, didn't get the man. origin. No, and I, I, I thought that I thought that that was a really smart choice. Yes, by Matt I agree. Reeves. Like we've yeah. we've seen it a gazillion times. We all know why yep. he is the Batman. Yeah. In mm-hmm. many ways, I appreciated that the film started in year two, and yep. didn't make me do another Batman Begins, which is not my favorite Batman film of yeah. all times. And we don't, we don't need to see, you know, um, his parents getting murdered again. I we, was like, so worried that the, Riddler, the story. So yeah. I was, I was, yeah. I was so worried that the Riddler thought, was going to reveal like, Oh, I killed your parents. And then flashback to that happening. Like yeah. near the end of the movie. And I was like, Oh no, no, please don't. No, that, that would have been bad. Yeah. So, you know, it does, it does make you wonder, of course, how he learned to fight, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think Alfred. I just hope like the next him. the next one better not be a the Batman the Batman two better not be a prequel. Like you oh, can figure man. out a way to do that in flashbacks, yeah. but if it's a prequel, I'm telling you right now, I'm out. 
Yeah. No, they talked about, I, they, I mean, they've talked about it. possibly uh, the two things that keep coming up in terms of a sequel are either doing some version of the Hush storyline, though I think that presents some issues in terms of this film, um, or doing something with the Court of Owls, which I think could be interesting. Those are the two things that seem to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, the other thing I that I find interesting that. is, is you know, the version of Riddler in this film is kind of a mashup of Riddler and Hush. Um, interesting. Yeah. Because particularly when they mention um, the reporter that was investigating Wayne uh, that was named Elliot. That's not uh, the last that's name not the Elliot. Riddler, that's, right? that's, the, that's the last name of... Um, the family Hush comes from. He's he's Tommy Elliot, and the Elliots were friends of the Wayne family. So I was expecting, particularly when they mentioned that that Riddler in the film was an orphan, I was expecting them to reveal that Riddler was not actually Riddler. He's Hush because that's Tommy Elliot, the son of the reporter that Falcone killed for Falcone killed for Bruce Wayne or Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Um, Interesting. There, there's a great deal of hush already in um, this version of the Riddlers. Yeah. It would be, it would be, unless it's also weird that they would have hush and, you know, having already mentioned, you know, the Elliot name, like have, I, it, it seems like that would be kind of a mess to do. It seems like they've already done hush in a way. Uh, yeah. Well, look, as long as it's not a, a prequel. No, I don't, I don't think they're I, talking about a prequel. I guess I could live with it. Yeah, they're talking about uh, they're you know the two things that they seem to be bad. Well, and then I guess the um, the te- the teaser with the website in the post credits uh, scene, which I'll put in quotation right. marks. Uh, there's I apparently a there's apparently a hint of um, Two Face. See, now is I going to just have Joker and Two Face in the next film? I don't know. Ugh. I don't know. Ugh. All right. Like I would so, like they're so going to have quick a Joker. question: As we're yeah, as we're talking about these these like similarities and like the Batman canon, question for Patrick: Is yes. the fight scene in a club like a Batman trope that I don't know about? Uh I don't believe so, because it was just it so reminiscent of the Dark Knight. Yeah, oh, especially Nolan when film. they do the gunfight, the the gunfire. I don't like, think the there was a club fight in there's a club fight in Dark Knight. Yeah, there is. It's right before he uh, tortures Maroni and drops him from the roof. He confronts Maroni in a in a club, and he walks through a bunch of thugs, and he beats the snot out of all of them. Oh, okay, and he takes Maroni to the roof. I mean, I could see that being oh. a thing. Like Batman seems to. I could see like the being, especially if it's like New York, sort of like there's got to be a lot of clubs. Yeah, and I just, yeah. I just. Well, I think I'm it's just also, wondering if like, in the deeper Batman canon, if right. that's well, a thing, it's, because it's, it's interesting that it came back. It's it's part of Batman canon, I think, in the sense because because one of the other things that this film and they they've said very clearly that they were inspired by it is the long Halloween, um, which you can see in the film. You know, I think in the opening monologue they met. I bet uh, uh, Pattinson's Batman mentions that the the first of it's all the first killing is on Halloween. Um, the whole storyline of. Thomas Wayne having saved uh, Falcone's life um, and thus there being a link between the Waynes and the Falcones, that that is from Long Halloween. 
Um, and then the kind of, of quasi-partnership between Batman and Catwoman um, very much runs throughout Long Halloween. Um, but I think it's, I, you know, I think the, the, the Batman fight in the club is more a product of how in the early days of Batman, um, you know, he's dealing with gangsters. He's dealing with the Maroni and the Falcone crime sure. gangs. Okay. And so they obviously okay. own ice clubs and things like that. So I think it's, and, and that's one of the things that, that long Halloween is very much about is, you know, Gotham moving from a place that's ruled by these gangster families to a Gotham plagued by what eventually becomes Batman's rogue gallery. Basically long Halloween is, is at least partially kind of telling the story of, you know, how the gangsters were basically replaced by Joker and Penguin and Poison Ivy and all, and all of, all of those characters. So I think it's, I think it's just more a product of, you know, the way in which Batman's um, early years are conceived is that he was basically dealing with the crime families that the gangster families that had run Gotham and, and, you know, run Gotham in fairly typical ways for gangsters. So I think that's probably where the, the whole club thing is coming from. Okay. I, I was just, it was just a curiosity that they were in the two, you know, most recent trilogies struck me. Yeah. As yeah. Well, but again, I mean, both cases, I, I think the, the mob boss is Maroney in Dark Knight, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the same thing is that basically we're, we're dealing with the, the two main gangster families in the Batman sure. mythos and, and they never do anything that gangsters don't do. They're, they're into just all kinds of, of vice, including, you know, gambling dens and clubs and things like that. So I think it's probably just a product Under of that. You know, here I do have one more major complaint about the film. I do not love a bulletproof Batman. Mm. Yeah, it was. He's almost weird. so indestructible in this film that he loses some of the human quality that ought to distinguish Batman. I think, like, the number I, of times he gets just outright shot is I, I don't know. Like it, it, it meant. I less did like the him, idea that the uh, the bat emblem on his suit is actually his batarang. Yeah, like he clicks in and off. Sure, and that and that that's that's metal and that's bulletproof. I did kind of like that. Yeah, like, but he that's gets clever. like shot point blank with like a shotgun but, near the end, it, and it's like I think there's yeah. a crack there's in the like, suit, like that's it. Yeah, there's an an indestructibility to him that I think I think diminished the story a little bit. There's also like when he gets into that little flying squirrel outfit and he jumps off the building, and then he's like the the balloon gets caught on a bridge and he goes like, he gets thrown across the pavement. There's just, there were moments like he kind of limps away and he groans, but he, yeah. it doesn't seem to really affect him. It's like, it's like a bad game of D and D that like the damage <laughs> is never really like meaningful damage. Yeah. You know, or it's like, uh, it was the same idea kind of like Superman where like, you know, they have to like bend over backwards to invent reasons to, for him to be in trouble because he's like, oh, he's bulletproof. It's right. Like, well, now they have Krypton, Kryptonian bullets or whatever. Kryptonite. Kryptonite, yeah. Kryptonite sorry. is what you're looking for there. <laughs> Kryptonian bullets. I like that. Kryptonite bullets wasn't wrong. I'm pretty sure if someone's making Kryptonian bullets, they're they're pretty much a, a serial killer like Batman's because <laughs> making bullets out of Kryptonians. <laughs> well, maybe they're just maybe they're just using Kryptonians from that tiny little bottle city. Was that oh, yeah. the bottle city of Candor? <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're just like, 
don't do the is that candor like you don't know that it's candor don't try to pretend <laughs> that you're you don't know that it's candor and you're be like oh i need just like us. on this because i don't know what candor is don't even try to pull that oh is it candor I don't know what the bottle city is called. I guess I'll have to ask my nerdy friend because I'm too cool to know things like that. Don't even I was try just that. Don't I was just even... afraid I wasn't going to say it right. That's don't, it. I was just afraid. I was just afraid uh -huh, uh -huh. of the pronunciation. It was the pronunciation that scared me. Yeah, and I didn't uh, want to yeah. give you a Pyrrhic, very, uh, a Pyrrhic victory. Pyrrhic. It's a Pyrrhic victory. I know it's, it's a reference to the opening. Yes, yes I know. That, Assuming that's in the opening. Literally, yes, hopefully that's in the opening. Otherwise, it'd be a. If that does reference. not make the opening, it will. It will make it less. Yeah. So, did you have any any thoughts on um, Kravitz's Catwoman? We haven't really talked about her, and uh, she wasn't I in thought, the movie that much. I thought too. Zoe Kravitz. Well, I thought that when she was on the screen, she was really, really good. I you, you didn't find her too urban. <laughs> oh no! Is that a fair or foul somewhere? Oh uh, well, I, I mean, it's not so much a fair or foul. But there, there was the. You're not. You're not. You're not saying you found her too urban, yeah. are you? No, you. Oh, you didn't. You didn't see this. So apparently, in an interview, the thoughts and opinions that, of the individuals. No, no, no. She auditioned <laughs> for I'm not representative of the company as a no, whole. No, no, no. In in exactly. in an interview recently, she. <laughs> She revealed that she actually auditioned for a role in Dark Knight Rises, but was told that she was too urban for it. Ooh. Wow. Now, she yeah. said it wasn't Nolan. She said it was like an assistant casting director, an assistant to the assistant, but... But still, it was, was for the same movie. She's too urban for... It's either got to be Catwoman or oh, yeah. the, the Talia character that, that Marion Cotillard played. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's why I brought that up, is, is a reference to that interview. Okay, that... Wow. That makes me feel much better about your <laughs> reference, actually. I was like, do I need to start editing thought, this podcast? I thought, <laughs> yeah, I thought Kravitz was great. I thought yeah. I thought she yeah. was really quite brilliant in this film. I agree with Rich. It's this weird movie, though, where she shows up, she disappears. And then I thought she was really gone. really long stretch. I didn't know she was going to come right. back. And then, Well, I knew she had to come back. but I... and, then, and then she's back. It just, I don't, to me... I think this would have been better as two films where Catwoman doesn't even show up until the second one. Like, oh. How interesting would a film be that was a relationship that, that really was a film that focused on the relationship between these two characters? That would be a really interesting film, but because it gets crammed in here with the Penguin and the Riddler, you know, and Falcone and, you know, the mythical Maroni and Gordon and all of these characters that all have to get like jam packed in yeah. here. I, there's no room for that relationship to breathe. That would be a great second film. Yeah, have some cameo. You know, have her still be the person he follows back to the apartment. But then, like, yeah, you know, the film loses track loses track of her at that point. Then, yeah, the next film yeah. is like, oh, that's who you were following. So many ways to do it that I think would make for more interesting. Because honestly, I didn't really buy the relationship between the two of them because I don't think it had enough screen yeah. time. It's too quick. Well, to yeah, really I really have. I think there's like, ways in which down kind of, there's ways in which I think the film is kind of banking on. Oh, everyone knows that there's this yeah relationship. Will they? Won't they? Kind of thing between Batman and Catwoman. So we can sort of we can move to that fairly quickly in the film. 
Right. I, to me, though, it's a missed opportunity. Like, there's a great story to tell, because I don't know that it's ever been told all that well. Even in the Nolan um, movie, I don't think. I feel like even the Nolan movies told sort of think well. on the history of people knowing, you know, oh, you know, yeah. if you're watching a comic book movie, you have at least are aware of the comics. So, you know, Catwoman and Batman have a thing. So, we're not really going to invest. Yeah. I just, I feel like... So much has been done uh, with Batman on the big screen, but like the Selena Kyle, Bruce Wayne, you know, Catwoman, Batwoman relationship never really has been. Whoa, and I just whoa, felt whoa, like, whoa, 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 whoa. What about Batman it? Returns? The Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Michael Keaton one. Oh, yeah, I guess. That was that was one where they actually, I think, did a good job of establishing. Yeah, no, yeah well, especially because no, it wasn't the first that's, one. It that's wasn't a his fair point. story. You know, they it's, had like it's time. so long ago. I yeah, yeah, I'd literally forgotten about it. But I, th- I feel um, like to Rich's point, you know, in this film you could tell. Yeah, in this film, skipping over the origin story makes it more like the second film. So there should have been more time. Oh yeah, but then they've got so many other villain right. origin stories. Yeah, you know, was, you've got the Riddler, you got like the Penguin. A, yeah, you got Jim Gordon. I thought it was you know, him becoming commissioner because I guess when everyone else There's dies above great, you. Well, that's how Gordon such always great chemistry gets between yeah. the two of them, you know. There's such that's great how, chemistry. I just felt like yeah. huge, huge missed opportunity. Yeah. So, so you would say, um, "quote at Zoe Isabella Kravitz is the Catwoman of my dreams." <laughs> well, again, I feel like you're saying things that we should probably have as a disclaimer. Well, um, no, that that, no, that I, is I, a direct quote from the Instagram of Taylor Swift. Oh. Well. Oh, that's not from I, your Instagram you know, honestly, account. I think, I think she is my favorite Catwoman. Yeah, really? I think that would be fair to say. Yeah, uh, she seems more like a person. Well, maybe Julie Newmar. Like Julie Newmar might be like the number one, but that would only be because, like, you know, my, it's my childhood, like my introduction to Cat. Oh, see, I so it's okay for your childhood nostalgia to color your opinions. But my childhood nostalgia is entirely problematic, and I'm not being objective. I don't, yes. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, you should go listen back to, you know, I can't even think of how many number of shows. <laughs> mm, still well, sounds like listen. very vague, fake newsy kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah. No, she, and, yet, so, uh, and yet Rich agreed with you me. Love, so. I agree with anything he, anyone says. Well, well, you know what that means. We so, got rid of that rule because you agreed <laughs> with Rich earlier on the film being bad, which means then you're all wrong. We're all wrong. (laughs) Everybody, you're all wrong. You know, let's (laughs) think through the ramifications of what you're about to do and how it will completely undermine your point. And I have just, you have fallen into my trap, Batman, and I am Riddler. Not all this implies that I still have power. I acknowledged the bias of Julie Newmar from my childhood, but said that Zoe Kravitz was probably my favorite. I think that, I think she was really good. And yeah. So how would, like, I know that you're a big fan of, like, ranking. Where is Robert Pattinson fall on your Batman rankings? Ooh. Uh, well, he's definitely That's not number question. one. His number one is Kevin Conroy from the Batman the Animated Series. I know, you love the, so talk, now talk to us about, like, the, the you know, flesh and blood humans on the screen. Like, the mm. big screen. So, so, so are take we think- Adam West out of it. Okay, so we're taking Adam West out of it. So we're talking Keaton, uh, Kilmer... Clooney and Bale and Pattinson, yeah, and, yeah, and, and so mm, boy, mm, uh, tough, right? 
Yeah, that's a t- well because you know they they just you know they're all they all just kind of uh, once you get down from Conroy's version, they all just kind of become a muddle for me. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean Pattinson's fine. I mean I really like Michael Keaton. Um, you know Nolan's version. The problem is Nolan's version kind of became a parody of itself in the end. Um, in terms Agreed. of like voice and Agreed. things like that, so it, it's hard for me. You know, like that that became that just kind of turned into such a parody. Um, so I'd, I'd probably put Pattinson, you know, probably definitely above Clooney and Kilmer, probably above Nolan, below Keaton, below Conroy. So I solidly. Think, I think that's a, a pretty reasonable ranking and he will have time to either climb or fall too, depending on what the rest of the body of work looks like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, there was nothing. I mean, you know, I I, I enjoyed the film. Um, unlike other people that, that you've seen on Twitter and whatnot, I did not find it this massively transcendent or transformational experience, you know, Agreed. changing all cinema. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's probably <laughs> fair to say that it's, it's I'd probably so say it's, no it's, joke the best, it's probably the second best DC extended universe film behind Wonder Woman, but that's just because everything else is so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely enjoyed Aquaman this Aquaman 2 I mean. comes out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure Aquaman 2 is going to do it for me. I, 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 I maybe have slightly more hope for uh, Black Adam, but... Uh, um, right. Um, uh, the Rock is always watchable. Yeah, except so he's Patrick. playing a completely unlikable character, so... Right. Yeah. I, well, it'll be interesting to see what he does with if, that. If they do the version from the comics, which if you if you cast The Rock as Black Adam, you're not doing the version from the comics because he is unlikable and that is not The Rock. So, yeah, right. no, agreed. Agreed. So I have a quick, fair or foul lightning session for you. Oh, I've got a I've got another one for you that's kind of long. Okay. okay. Let's do the lightning. I think you want to go first or shall I go first? Let me do mine first because I think you'll. This will give you. I think you'll have thoughts about this. Right, this it's is one really like, long, though. It's not there very long, but there's a lot. There's a lot for you to respond to. Okay. Uh, like so this is from, this is from Jonathan Sim at ComingSoon.net. Oh, I might have seen Jonathan Sim. All right. Quote: Ever since Christopher Nolan crafted the universally adored The Dark Knight trilogy. The odds of a Batman film reaching those heights has appeared minuscule. However, Reeves' vision might prove to be a worthy adversary as he has outdone himself creating a masterful superhero film that takes every expectation we had and goes above and beyond. beyond. Batman is everything a superhero movie should be. Yeah, I love that. Juggles many characters at once. Who three hours of multi-layered crime narrative might not mm-hmm. be for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's a mature, unconventional superhero movie filled with everything you would arguably want from a film. Yeah, yeah we might have both found that. Um, first, let's be clear. The Nolan version is not universally acclaimed. That, that's one. That's the reason I chose this quote. The moment I saw Nolan universally yes. adored, I'm like, oh, Alan will have a response to that. I think that there are parts of this in terms of the visual aesthetic that make it masterful, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's a masterful superhero film. Mm-hmm. I don't think it goes above and beyond. In fact, I would argue that it remains very much trapped in the Batman canon and what's mm-hmm. already been done. So 
mostly I think that's foul. I don't think it's a particularly mature film as a superhero film, and I don't think it's unconventional. So, no, I, I would say pretty much foul to all of that. Okay. As you would have suspected, probably. Yes, yeah, so I sort of, I figured that that would be, I figured that would be the reaction. Well, the one I found for you comes at it from the other angle, because I assumed you were going to really like the film. So yeah, did like you happen it, to I look at Like I said, I didn't, it didn't change filmmaking or, or you know. Right. You know, it, I like the version of Batman it looks like it's trying to work with, but, but a lot of that kind of depends on where they go and whatever the next film is. All right. So given that, for uh-huh. mensxp.com, okay. we got an article from a Batman fan, an avowed Batman fan, about eight reasons why the movie sucks. Oh, I think I saw this one. Did you look at all eight of them? I want to. I'm going to run each of them by me and you, by you, and you could just give me a really quick, you know, fair or foul. And a I look at them. Really, I look at them really quickly. All right. So number one, the movie sucked because it was the most talkative Batman ever. That seems ridiculous because you didn't really talk much. He said, "Be it when he's with." Gordon or the Catwoman or all by himself, he just keeps talking. What if you add in all the stupid voiceover narratives? I mean, if you could, I mean, maybe, but yeah, he he was not a very, I did not see him as a very talkative Batman. All right, so that, you uh, disagree. Saying, Question number two. Yes. All right, two, it's cliche beyond belief. Weak plotting, weird relationship with Catwoman, the scene at the end where he deliberately jumps onto the loose electrical cable to save people underneath. Um, he could have just thrown a batarang to solve the problem. He uses the flare. It was too damn cliche from start to finish. Yeah, I'm not really sh- He's saying that all of those things are cliche, but not explaining why they're cliche. Like, I don't, I don't understand why jumping onto the cable, like, cliche means it's something we've seen a whole bunch of times. I don't think jumping onto the electrical cable is, is a cliche. No, but the selflessness of it perhaps is. Maybe, yeah, I just, yeah, I, he doesn't okay, really so, explain. So I, I'm going to say foul in that. He does, He just seems to be calling things cliche without actually explaining them, so. So he's, he's 0 for 2. Yes, yes, 0 for 2. Number three, he's the slowest Batman ever. As in being like, he's not talking about mentally slow like we were talking about earlier, being a bad detective, just physically slow. Like when he walks over to the Riddler's apartment, he just kind of he just kind of walks over to the Riddler's apartment, but he just moves really slowly. Uh, I don't know the the Keaton Batman, particularly in the first film, was very impaired by the suit. <laughs> yeah, like I, I there's definitely times no, where Batman that's slower. Fair point. So, so he's he's I mean he's Over three. I'd say he's sim- I mean he's slow, but it's not exactly anything new. So. All right, so maybe number four. All right, I'm going to give it a loss then. I'm going to say he's got to get a complete fair or it doesn't count. Okay. Number four, that Pattinson's Batman is the most gullible Batman ever. In the example he gives, it's that he takes Falcone at his word, and then he goes, and Alfred just happens to wake up right when he's sitting there, although God knows when he found time to sit next to Alfred's bed in the hospital. And then Alfred tells him a different story, and he just automatically believes that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like nobody has That's probably fair, but he's 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 young and impressionable. Okay, so but that's at least one. 
Yeah. But even that one, you're kind of explaining away. You're kind of you're kind of no prizing it away. Well, I'm. I, I mean, I, I I don't think that's a bug. That's a feature. <laughs> Did you ever win a no prize? By the way, when you were a kid. No. It feels like you would have for like a quasar issue. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I don't think I ever sent something in for that. But yeah, no, I never I never won a no prize. All right. I really wish I had though. Number f- I, yeah, right. Number five. Yeah. Uh-huh. Writes, don't let the movie fool you into believing it's an artistic masterpiece. It's not. And he really complains about the heavy handed use of music at certain points. How dare they use music? I mean, I think it's fair. Well, says, I mean, there's, there's, there's some nice stuff that the film does, but I don't, I don't know that it, it's a, a, like I said, it's not, it wasn't a, a transcendent film experience for me. So he's, he's on a roll. He's got two in a row. Number six, mm-hmm. the super dumb car chase. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to, we going to talk Why about like. dumb? No, that's just it. It's because Rich, it's an inherently stupid car chase. Yeah, I mean the, the one thing I, I, I would agree that there were there were. I mean, the one thing that I found really weird was that, and I I, I only saw the film the one time, so I haven't gone back and see this. But in my head, you know, when he and Gordon pull up to to the place where they're going to find Penguin, they both pull up out front. And then when they're leaving, the Batmobile is all of a sudden on the side of the building. Yeah, cloaked in shadows. And I don't even remember him driving the Batmobile over there. Like, I was like, did he drive that there? Or was the Batmobile already... It was was a weird... There was was a weird continuity there. I'm like, hey, you were out front, and now your car's on the side. And also, I didn't think you were in that car, but I don't really remember looking at what car you were driving. But yeah, so that... I think you're right, Patrick. I think you're right. And the way in which the Batmobile as a character really turns me off. Like there's yeah, there's like an entrance the, the Bat, for that. The Batmobile is not as cool as Reeves thinks it is in this film. Yeah, it yes, sounds neat. The sound design right. of it made it sound like real big and bassy, but then you kind of see it's like a dune buggy sort of. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, the like Batmobile. Like a Blade Runner sequel kind of way. Yeah. I mean, really, the Batmo that design of the Batmobile should be the um the most recent Ghost Rider's car. That's who should be driving a car like that. Okay. So I think that's three. He's three up and three down. Number seven, Alfred mm-hmm. is one-dimensional. I mean, Alfred doesn't have a lot of time to do much. Is Alfred not always one-dimensional? He claims that Alfred is like Alfred has an interesting backstory. Alfred has texture to him. I mean, it Only, would, no, but the other thing too is you know he's complaining about like he wants yeah. I mean he he's but again even Michael Caine had what three movies to do that. Yeah. Well, Michael Caine had like a story about a guy who was stealing rubies and then like just leaving them with kids to play. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, some men just want to watch the know, world burn. For for giving the you know circus the role it felt like there would have been more yeah there's not there's alfred. not a lot of alfred i mean again i think alfred is possibly something that suffers because of everything going on in the film yeah despite right, it not being an origin film fair. it still has a lot of setup to do yeah, yeah well it, it chooses to do a lot of setup yeah yeah i don't know it doesn't have to yeah film. yeah yeah so number eight this will determine whether he wins or ties 
And I think this is a clear, correct call. The motorcycles at the end, he describes as an awful bike race with Batman's cape kind of trailing out behind the bike and like them like zooming up and back and forth with each other. That was awful, right? With a Catwoman? I mean, like at the end? Yeah, like Catwoman and Batman are like riding off into the sunset. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know why that whole scene happened because it was like, okay, I'm going to leave. All right. And then well, Batman no, it was, to it follow. Was, and he's, it, it, it was, was very cheesy in that the whole point of it is that at some point they're going to turn in different directions. Now, that's one of the things that I would say was kind of cheesy and cliche about the film. Because the whole time they're writing, you know, they've already said they're going, you know, she's asked him to come with him to Bloodhaven. Right. Got it. Um, he said he's not going. So you know that when they're driving down that very long road and like, okay, they're going to turn different directions at some point. And so, right. yeah, it, it was right. a very kind of cheesy cliche. But like it was also um, shot like in the wide, more. like it wasn't shot. Like and and close it was just cinematic. a very long bike ride. Like, yeah. like they didn't need to, it was a, yeah. It's a classic super, the same thing with the fight in Madison Square Garden. They don't know how to end a superhero movie anymore. Mm. Like the endings have all become so bloated. Yeah, well, except Endgame. Endgame tied it off nicely. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so, Patrick, you you mentioned wokeness earlier. Yes, I did. Did you happen to read the review from Outkick by Alejandro Avila? Yes, I did. He says it's not a bad movie. But one of the things that will make you cringe is the underlying politics that jump off the screen. Yes. Did you find this is a, a, a film that had, like, politics jumping off the screen at you, number one? Um, I mean, I think most Batman movies, to a point, have about corruption and stuff. Not until the very end when, you know, Joker and, or not Joker, Riddler and his online, you know. His Facebook group or whatever. Yeah, buddies all show up. Um, you know that the Riddler basically, right. you know, weaponizes his, um, you know, online group into into you know basically an insurrection um, against you know Gotham's mayor. So it seemed very, very January sixth. This or or you know, given how how you know they failed that maybe they're closer to the, the trucker rally. Um, but there was that, but yeah, that was the, that was the moment I was like, Oh, okay. So that, that seems like a gesture towards some of the stuff. Um, well, at one point Catwoman talks about white privilege too. Yeah. There's, well, that's the other thing I could have after reading the, the, uh, the Avila piece, I went online trying to see like, what are people talking about? And literally it's that line, like that line, has is what everyone's basically like the moment you know on Twitter there's a bunch of people like oh the moment she said that line I walked out of the theater. Um, I bet there's a lot like the, the, the one line about white privilege was apparently a step too far. Yeah, what what this writer um, writes that I thought was so interesting was the following sentence: I've never been a words of affirmation type, but watching Gotham bully Pattinson's Batman made me want to reach out to him and remind him that he's doing a great job. Huh. I assume, I'm assuming that made you throw up in your mouth a little bit. You could write, yeah, uh, yeah, hell yeah. Like, you could write a book 
on just that sentence, I think. <laughs> like the idea that Gotham is bullying Batman is astounding. Well, I think it's yeah. the idea that I think he's, I think that because the other thing people complained about was the way in which the there's that brief scene at the funeral where the new progressive mayor um, basically says, hey, and this is what the interpretation online is. Hey, let me redistribute yeah. your wealth um, to Gotham because I know how to use your money better than you're using your money. Um, right. So I think that might be when he when he's talking. I think it's more that Gotham and and in particular the the may the mayor candidate bullies Bruce Wayne into like you know you need right. you know you shouldn't but, have your money we should be using it more. But that he says Batman makes me think too about maybe the way the cops don't like him or you know the way in which he's not appreciated yeah. or the extra legal vigilante violence that he inflicts. Well, but you also get the, the scene at the end too, where you jail. get a little bit of of propaganda in when all the good cops show up yeah. to arrest Falcon, and and Gordon's like, well, "Oh, I, I'm not the only bad cop, or only good cop." Don't you think that's kind of Reeves wanting to have his cake and eat it too? He wants to, you know, tell a story of corruption, but doesn't want you know police to be besmirched. Like he he wants to 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 do so. It it can be propaganda and you know, the corruption and it doesn't matter because it's Batman and we're also overtaken by the spectacle of it all that who's going to notice the, the, well, I see it more as, as indicative of how we are stuck in sort of a, a neoliberal quagmire. Um, you know, I think back to, you know, that, that, uh, what Biden, I guess, I don't know if it was in the state of, maybe it was in the state of the union or something around there where he said, you know, the, yeah. the the solution is not to defund the police, it's to fund the police. And it's basically right. like that idea of, of, you know, the Democrats can't get away from having to um, support the police and do something different that, that you know, it's, they're, they're no different right. than, than Republicans on that, that, that. I think the film is sort of stuck in that same kind of of box that, you know. I think that's we fair. Have to, we have to reassure people. No, not not all. You know, not all cops are bad. Uh, right. You know. Yeah. Right. So because it, we it, live it, in a world where, yeah, it's it's dangerous to make any statement that's too, yeah, too broad. And so, Bat, you know. the Batman does what all the superhero movies do to some extent. Even those that kind of want to make a statement of some sort. Yeah. Is they make it, but then they spend the rest of the film kind of modifying and softening yeah. and, you know, um, making the edges less sharp. So that by the time you get to the end, you have a film that you can kind of pretend is trying to, is, is saying something, but in the end doesn't really manage to do that. Yeah. That, you know, you basically at the not all cops at the end. Right. So, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, I, I think there's it's like, there, like not all white males have, you know, of privilege or a problem, right? Because like yeah. there's Batman too. So yeah, or and, and not all men, or the you know the 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 not all men sort of response to um um oh god the Me Too movement. That's what it was. Like the Me Too uh, movement. Yeah, yeah. That that you kind of kind of get that same moment where where you know it kind of backs off from. A, a broader critique. So yeah, I mean that that that's so that yeah, there are there are moments where the film, you know, could be seen as as sort of talking about sort of social justice issues, but 
not in any way that that I think permeates the film as a whole. Um, right. You know, they're they're, think, they're, they're, just, they're just little they're just little moments and and um and then then like you said that the film does kind of back away from from even what might be it's it's the furthest it goes in terms of just showing how corrupt Gotham is and thus how corrupt right. the system is. And yet, so so, not new in any way to think about God. Oh, Gotham City is corrupt. Well, there's oh, a yeah. twist. Yeah, it's very. Well, again, know, like that's much, again, that's yeah. very much. I mean, the Jim Gordon character is very much in the uh, the uh, based on the Frank Miller Year One series, where he's he's the one good cop amongst the the right. corrupt Gotham police force. Right. Yep. Agreed. And so in some ways, we've come back to where we started with my complaint about the film is that what it might want to do or purport to do, it it does not follow through on. 